Schaefer. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation here in Maryland. This week, we have a double Parsha, double the Parsha, double the fun. And not just that, this week we are also finishing the book of Bamidbar. It's a big week. There's a lot to get in. Here is Parshat Matot Masay in seven parts. Part one. Vedber Moshe el Roshe Hamatot, Livne Yisrael Lemar, Ze Hatavar Ashet Siva Hashem. Moshe tells the leaders of Israel the laws from God regarding taking an oath, making a promise. If one makes an oath or a pledge, they should not break that commitment. Under a variety of circumstances, a husband or a father can annul the vow of a spouse or a daughter. God now tells Moshe to wage war against the Midianites as his last act before he passes. Moshe tells the people to create an armed force for this purpose, 1,000 soldiers from each tribe, totaling an armed force of 12,000 able, capable soldiers. The Midrash tells us that these soldiers, when they heard that this would be Moshe's last battle, his last war, they hid away. They hid themselves, and Moshe had to go on a hide-and-seek mission, possibly the first time ever in history hide-and-seek was played. Anyways, they successfully killed all the Midianite men and destroyed, eradicated the leadership of Midian. They gathered the spoils from war and presented everything, including their success, in front of Moshe. And so ends part one. Part 2. Moshe grew angry with the Israelite army for sparing the Midianite women, since they were the ones at Bilam's behest who enabled the Israelites to sin. Moshe also now introduces the impact of impurity experienced when waging war, when coming in contact with a dead person, with a dead enemy. This required the returning Israelite soldiers to isolate themselves outside the camp of Israel and to visit a Kohen before they return home. All of their spoils, the pots and pans made from metal, required purification through fire. The spoils of war were evenly distributed, and a tithing was taken and given to Elazar HaKohen and to the Levim. The Torah records how many spoils were collected, tithed, and distributed, giving us, providing for us, exact numbers of the spoils of war. The generals of the armed forces count their soldiers and notice that not a single soldier died in battle. They brought a generous gift to God, celebrating their success that consisted of all the gold and jewelry that they had plundered. And so ends part two. Part three. The tribe, the tribes of Reuven and God had a lot of cattle. And when looking around at the lands that the Israelites had already conquered from Sichon and Og, they noticed that these lands were perfect for raising cattle. They approached Moshe asking if they could settle in these newly conquered lands. 
Moshe was disappointed with the request, pointing out that while the rest of the Israelites were fighting for the promised land, the tribes of God and Reuven would be living in relative safety in their land. Imagine the massive and deleterious effect that that would have on the Israelite soldiers fighting for the promised land. The tribes of Reuven and God respond that they will build structures and homes for their families and flock, but they have full intention of joining the war from, to conquer the promised land. They will only return home after everything had been conquered. And so ends part three. Part four. Moshe accepts the proposal of these tribes and shares the terms of the agreement with Eliezer, Cohen, and Yehoshua. These tribes, plus half the tribe of Manasseh, settle in this newly conquered land. They build cities and settlements for their families and flock. The Torah now records the details of the journeys of the Israelites through the desert. It shares the names and the details of the 42 stops that the Israelites made along the way to the Promised Land. And so ends part four. Part five. Hashem el Moshe Mo'av al Moshe now tells the Israelites that after they conquered the land of Israel, they should not be partic- they should they should be particular about removing any vestiges of prior inhabitants especially their places of worship if they were not absolute in their commitment to do so to eradicate that which came before them they would be vulnerable to the influences of the previous inhabitants idolaters the Torah now outlines the future boundaries of the Promised Land. Moshe tells the Israelites that this land will be divided by lottery between the remaining nine and a half tribes who had not already been settled, this including God, God Reuven, and Chatzi Menashe from the future lottery. So ends part five. Part six. God said to Moshe that each tribe should have a representative to administer the further division of the land. The Torah outlines the names of each of these tribes' representatives, and God now tells Moshe to command the Israelites to give the Levim towns and settlements to live in, with surrounding property for their animals to graze. There should also be six cities of refuge in which the Levium will reside. These cities will be for those who accidentally murder another person. The total number of settlements given to the Levium will be 48, and the number of cities a tribe dedicates to the Levium should be proportionate with the size of the tribe and its settlement. So ends part six. Part seven. God tells Moshe to share with the Israelites greater details regarding the cities of refuge. They shall offer refuge to someone who inadvertently murders another person. This person should remain within the city until the high priest dies, and then shall be free to go home. Three of these cities will be on the west bank of the Jordan River. Three will be on the east bank. A close relative of the deceased is permitted to avenge the death of the person killed should the murderer leave the boundaries of the city of refuge. 
Neither fine nor ransom can be offered in exchange for fleeing to the city of refuge. The leaders of the tribe of Menashe now approach Moshe, expressing concern that the daughters of Tzlavchad would marry out of their tribe, thus causing their property to end up outside the tribe of Menashe. God says that the daughters of Tzlavchad should only m- marry within their tribe, and they do so. So ends part seven of Matot Masay, and so ends the book of Sefer Bamidbar. Thank you for joining us on this journey, Bamidbar, on this journey through the wilderness. Here's a final thought. When the Israelite soldiers return from the war against Midian, they instructed by Moshe that they would need to undergo a purification process because they came in contact with dead during war. Before they go home, they had to remain outside the camp for one week and then visit with a high priest to purify themselves. (laughs) This actually creates quite an unusual situation. Generally, when soldiers return from war and they are triumphant, we throw a parade and we celebrate their safe return. We express gratitude for being able to hug and kiss the soldiers as they return home. The situation can be grave and their successful return is cause for celebration. The Torah seems to acknowledge that there needs to be a slow return to society. That returning from war is not about celebrating or parading, but rather about recovering and reflecting. The Israelite soldiers need to spend a week outside of the camp before going home to take stock of their spiritual selves and to look at the trauma that they may be living with in light of their experience as a soldier. So ends Parsha on a pod for Sefer Bamidbar. It has been such a wonderful journey. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe and share with a friend. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. This has been Parsha on a pod.